0: All right, boys, here
1: we go. In three, two, welcome to the Ephesiology podcast, the podcast dedicated to the study of the early Christian movement and its implications for the church today. Today, we're with Michael, our resident ephesiologist, Andrew Johnson, associate pastor at Neartown Church in Houston, Texas, and I'm Matt Till, lead pastor of Restoration Church in the suburban sprawl of Chicago, Illinois. Hey, guys, it is great to be with you today.
2: Yeah, it is great to be with you guys. Good to be
1: seen. Yes, as we are marching towards the summer months here. Uh, today, we want to talk about um, the kind of really the state of uh, academia, the state of Christian training, and talk about maybe a uh, solution that ephesiology we've been working on behind the scenes and kind of share a little bit of vision for that uh, with you, our listeners. But what I want to do is I want to go back and I want to talk about episode 25, if we can think about that for a moment. And episode 25 was recorded back in October of 2019. Um, and this was uh, on the heels of the Send Institute think tank that was held at Wheaton College uh, here in the Chicagoland area that Michael and I attended. Andrew, you were sorely missed. And Yes, still regret it. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. We're just going to keep rubbing that one in.
2: But, but they're virtually. Yes, that's we- true.
1: He was there virtually as we were relentlessly texting him. Um, and at this think tank, if you recall, if you listened to, to episode 25, and if you haven't, I would strongly encourage all of our listeners to go back to find episode 25. You can do that at a or probably hopefully it's still in your podcast stream. Uh, do that after this podcast. And what we talked about at that episode was some findings that was Really being kind of um, given to us, and there was a there was a all these movement leaders really from across North America were present, and looking at past trends, current trends, and forecasting into the future, and looking at the future church. And uh, one of interestingly enough, even the case study that was brought to the table, uh, Michael, you might agree with me on this, is that that case study that was brought to the table was looking at the church of twenty fifty. And it was it, it was assuming some political, social ramifications. And how do we dream up this church of 2050 uh, with the information that we have today? Uh, I think you might agree that COVID nineteen, the pandemic, has only given us a preview of 2050, and mm. has um, almost flash for, fast forwarded that kind of timeline, uh, even if, even if it's momentarily. Right? We have now seen the immediate effects of really what that case study was trying to get us to look at. Uh, Wouldn't
2: you agree with that? Oh, yeah. You you know, I I mean, just thinking about being back there in October, none of us could have anticipated what we're seeing today. Um, And uh, But I think you're right. I think COVID-19 has accelerated um, our thinking on where we need to be if... In fact, we're going to position ourselves, uh, that is, the church, uh, Christianity, for growth in North America. Uh, For those of us who weren't
0: in the room, me, um, can you very, very quickly, without having to go re-listen to episode 25, give a super brief snapshot of the case study that said this is what the church is going to look like in 2050, so that your comments
2: make more sense? Yeah, Matt, I think this is a place for you to interject because you you did the same exercise with a group of pastors in the Chicago area. So remind us, what was that case study?
0: He's pulling it up furiously, y'all. So just know that we are watching Matt's uh, wheels turn. Uh, his face is getting redder because he feels that he is being put on the spot, <laughs> and Michael and I are just staring at him, just with
2: encouragement. Oh,
1: you guys, you guys! And, I knew you were going to ask this question, and I knew I was like, "All right, I need to pull this up." And you were I so mean,
2: prepared, coming. You you pitched in. Was, it. You I pitched know, it.
1: I know. I we were
0: there this. with the bats, waiting and ready.
1: Found it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Here we go.
2: Because the, yeah. I mean, what comes out of this, and it's not really a case study. It's more of a. Um, a scenario that's a, a hypothetical
1: case hypothetical. study. Yeah. It's a hypothetical case study for the future. So, all right, I found it. Uh, and thank you for putting me on the spot. I was going to work on pulling this up and I, I totally blanked. So <laughs> here we are, we've got it now. Um, you know, uh, based on existing data, I won't rehash all of that. The case study was, was simply this it's the year 2050. Again, it's a hypothetical It's year 2050 North America no longer has a majority race. Religious nuns are nearly 40% of the population, coinciding with consumer and societal pressures through the late 2020s and 30s. Many private businesses and public schools no longer rent to evangelical religious institutions, and most local governments made it difficult for churches to own property in their communities. Uh, Now, again, this kind of is the political and the social aspects of kind of what we're projecting and seeing in the future. By 2040, federal laws were passed removing all tax benefits from religious groups and clergy unwilling to comply with new declaration on human rights. Um, as a result, that decade saw the largest closure rates of legacy evangelical churches, especially ones founded in the 90s and 2000s, matching the closure rates of mainline churches from decades before. So uh, kind of looking at this concept of kind of forecasting, just depending upon where we're going to be socially, uh, economically, politically, um, forecasting a start closure rate of legacy churches um, and I, I think, interestingly enough, as we look at what is happening with coronavirus and the economy right now and the pandemic, that might have accelerated that timeline for other mm-hmm. reasons um, that, yeah, now, that and has it, yet to be seen right now. Michael, right. were you going to say? Yeah, no,
2: I was just going to say that, I mean, these are, this kind of uh, hypothetical scenario is based on some historic trends and, and then some projections on what it could look like. So there is some data that's behind this that <clears throat> is leading us to think in these ways. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, there's no way for us to be for certain that the political climate will be like as we're suggesting. However, um, just like you just said, Matt, I think COVID-19 is accelerating some of these and uh it'll be very interesting to uh see what happens as we're coming out of uh, self-isolation and businesses are opening uh across the country and churches are regathering across the country
0: yeah and i do i even want to throw in i know that i have been a little bit rosier on how things in houston have gone as far as um churches uh, rallying around the mission that god's called us to and i have been so encouraged Um, What I haven't brought to the table is I know of, I think three, if not more um, churches that have closed their doors, just Mm -hmm. said we're done uh, because their model existed to meet in a school space on a Sunday morning and uh, they were not able to gather and they did not see a path forward and they, they shuddered. So, so what you're talking about of being, um, COVID being a, a rapid indicator of where we might be. Yeah. It's an accelerator. uh, It has accelerated lots. So, so with that as the backdrop, and again, just to encourage our
1: listeners, if you've got time to go back to episode twenty-five, at least you'll be able to hear more of that conversation. One of the things that came out of that, um, out of that meeting with these movement leaders who are kind of facing and looking at the realities that are before us, and trying to think about the church missionally, but also creating those movement dynamics again for the future church. Um, one of those significant things that came up was really the need to rethink the institution, not just the church institution, but really our academic institutions that are used and have been historically used to train pastors and church leaders. And uh, there was a lot of discussion about, I mean, not a significant discussion, but it was there it was in discussion by saying, How how should we think about the types of leaders that we're training for the future church? Because if the church of the future um, may not be able to support and sustain a typical legacy formats of church where there's a building, there's a consistent income with uh, a a large gathering of people with program-driven ministries, um, how will we afford a building? How will we afford the professionalized pastor? And is there a place for the professionalized leader or pastor? And, um, and so these were some of the questions that started coming out. And there really was no solution given, um, if I recall, Michael, uh, from that time, but rather, it was just a, a stark reality that was given in the moment by going, we should really rethink this as well.
2: Yeah, because I think, I mean, the consensus in the group was that somehow, institutionally, we needed to Reposition ourselves so that we could equip more people for ministry, and there was the recognition, of course, that seminaries have done that historically. Uh, but the person that they have historically equipped is the pastor, and and that equipping has, you know, focused on uh, the, uh, the preaching uh, the, the word. And uh, counseling people in the church and shepherding those people um, and not really on church planting necessarily. And that was kind of a part of the assumption here is that if we are, as a, as North America is concerned, if if we are going to gain a greater market share, if you will, of the religious market, then we must be starting more churches, um, and uh, th- that then assumes that we need more people to start more churches. Now there, and we've talked about, you know, is church planting really a strategy? Church planting movements is that a strategy? Um, I've just recently argued in a uh, in a, a blog that that will be coming out before too long on Jackson Woo's uh, blog that uh, church planting is a result. It's not a strategy. There, there's nowhere in scripture that commands us to church plant, but it's clear that we need to make disciples. And so if disciple making is the mandate, then we need to, as a church in North America, be positioned to make more disciple makers. And the seminary doesn't necessarily do that. They, they make pastors. Uh, by they professionalize.
0: I mean, that's a big, big extent of what the seminary does. Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, And not in a negative sense. I mean, there is certainly a place for a seminarian. And I think the room in that room, there was consensus that we do need the theologian. We need uh, the person who understands historic Christianity. Um, There's something to be
1: said about the intellectual uh, pursuit of the faith uh, from a theological standpoint, um, correct? I mean, I think Absolutely. everybody agrees with that and says, yeah. yeah, we 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 don't need to burn this thing down. It does need to adapt and change. The other thing to think about is also what is happening and being played out in the very moment, um, as even we're recording this, is that you have hundreds of thousands of higher education universities, uh, Christian and non-Christian, seminaries and non-seminaries, deciding how will they move forward? Already we have seen, uh, much like the housing boom of the 2007-2008 2000, uh, economically, people have been forecasting and have been talking about, and we've already seen some of the early effects of a higher education boom that is beginning to implode and has been imploding over the last, uh, almost the decade. And so you're now seeing uh, costs rise for higher education, the value cost-to-value ratios are going down. So the number of people who actually come with higher education degrees are finding that they're actually not as worth uh, the degree than which they paid for. Um, And uh, and as such, um, and with fees and and other things like that, rising and student enrollment beginning to drop, also the new generation, the millennial generation, uh, Andrew and my generation and below, are not having as many kids as the previous generation's uh, did. And so they are predicting uh, significantly fewer people going into, the, uh, into, higher, into higher education, let alone regular elementary education. Um, there is a coming collapse of some of those things. And so uh, we also have to look at the whole higher education system is also uh, in play right now and trying to figure out and navigate these waters. And the pandemic has now forced them to reevaluate how are we going to move forward?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think it's going to be, um, this whole issue is going to be particularly acute with private institutions. Just today, this morning, um, a a survey was released that is uh, indicating that only 65% of incoming freshmen uh, will actually attend uh, college this year or have indicated that they are willing to go back to campus. Maybe, maybe it was the total student population, 65%. Well, I mean, we what look at the, that the well, other way, 45% are saying, you know what, we, we might not be coming back.
1: Yeah. 45%. We're not going
2: Yeah, to uh, campus. Those are, staggering they might be attending. Statistics. You know what? It's, it is incredibly staggering to think. I mean, you think of um, to places that we know about private institutions if if forty five percent of students are not planning to return to campus then there's a significant revenue hit uh, on those campuses because you know revenue isn't just simply generated from tuition it's it's uh tuition it's room and board. room and um, it's you know other ancillary fees uh, that are that are added to education. And so some of those, you know, they just don't come into play anymore.
1: And and I think there is, there is a, there's a I think most people realize and know, but education is important, right? I mean, uh, there, there seems to be that there is in fact, uh, a value for education. It's just, the question is, has it become, uh, is it, is it getting beyond what most people can begin to afford now um, or has it become watered down? I mean, there's this, there's this conversation of like, how do we get educated? How do we
0: learn more? Right. And but course- And don't, and don't forget to add to the fact that I don't think anybody has said education is not important. It's just that it's again, accelerated through COVID. Some people have said education is important, but it doesn't have to take that form for me to have it like, If I had to be sit, you know, I had to pay X amount of dollars so that I could sit in this higher institution, surrounded by other people who also valued that dollar amount. If that was the only way education was before, then that became the limiter, and now people
2: are seeing maybe that's not the case. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, it puts us in an interesting uh, situation for sure as we think about the generation that's coming up, and and as well as the need for uh, equipping people to make disciples. So let's talk about that, because we now know that we realize we need education.
1: We need people who are going to um, need to be uh, trained and equipped in their leadership abilities for the kingdom. We need more kingdom leaders and more people who are going to faithfully preach and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? In order to see a movement and to be able to pass those things on to others, right? Um, and to be able to do it effectively and make it available for most, if not everyone, right? Not just here in North America, but globally. Um, and and to do it at, at a cost or even at a, an ability so that people are able to take this and, and um, see this movement that we keep talking about allow people to feel confident and equipped and empowered for this calling that they have deeply on their life, right? And yet they, they can't go into debt for it. They can't, you know, like that would be, that's foolish. It's just foolish. So, so what is it that we think that perhaps and potentially the space is for the future for people to be able to be trained uh, to really capitalize on the moment that we live in this moment in, in our cultural time in space What's that thing that we think that maybe could really empower people to take hold of this and to get the the training and the teaching that they need? Well, Matt,
2: I'm glad you asked.
1: (laughs) How'd you like that first setup? Done. Yeah, yeah. right.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, at Ephesiology, we've been thinking a lot about not just you you know harping on our current circumstances, but really thinking about a path forward. You know what what, where do we need to be, um and how do we get there, and what might it look like? And so we don't want to just uh, wax eloquent eloquently on a podcast, but we want to be a part of the solution. And as we've been conceptualizing what that solution might look like, of course, uh, training and equipping is a key part of that because we know, just as Matt has said, we need to be able to equip a significant number of people uh, for works of ministry and in order for us to effectively engage uh, the, the North American context and really the global context uh, with the gospel. And so uh, as we've been thinking about this, it, we're excited to uh, begin to promote uh, what we are calling the Ephesiology Master Classes.
1: So Michael these these master classes that we are working on developing uh you and I've been talking a lot about this and um this isn't really just a, a thing for we're not this isn't just a this is not a business venture um and and we're not trying to to squeeze pennies um but I think you and I both see um where and I know Andrew does too where the future is and where we are right now and really having this myopic passion for God's mission in the world and his movements that we realize that we need to figure out a way to give people a high quality um, education, a high quality uh, access to training, to give them confidence to bring the gospel to their communities, wherever they are. And, And I think when we look at the landscape, there seems to be no time better than now. Than to maybe consider launching something like this, where people can literally take classes, they can learn the, these things, Um and so this this is this is, I think, really just kind of a the natural next step for physiology. I think as we just keep
0: talking about it. Okay, yeah. so for those of us who haven't been on the planning side of all of this, um, who are you talking does, about? Uh, no, I mean I've been in it, but I want <laughs> I I am always the everyman, so I want to ask. As you both have articulated so well of that lag, that disparity between what we want and where we are, how do master classes, first of all, what are they? And then how are these going to answer some of the problems that we are seeing in the disconnect of the academic, the seminary system that we are presently
2: thinking is the only route forward? Mm, yeah, that, I mean, that's the, those are the issues that we're trying to address because, again, we're recognizing the need to be able to equip many people, not just pastors um, or the, you know, the professional or the academic, uh, for that matter, but to equip all people for works of service. You know, we, we recognize that um, it, the, the Great Commission isn't something just for the professional, but is for everyone. Uh, to make disciples is a task that we all are about. And as we have been talking about so often at Ephesiology, that if we really believe that our identity is woven into uh, God's family, then we all are a part of that mission, and we all need to be equipped to participate in that mission, and so the whole concept behind uh, the ephesiology master classes is focusing on being able to equip people uh, for ministry, uh, to, to give them an experience in learning that uh, is not necessarily unique, but it's foundational and it's flexible so that people can develop the ministry skills and competencies uh, to to be able to lead discipleship groups, be able to engage in uh, evangelism in their culture, but also to uh, to participate in missions around the world. And then we want these masterclasses to help uh, students explore the possibilities of a new future. Um, You know, we recognize that in some capacity, while God certainly is at work in our culture, that we want to identify where it is that he's at work, join with him uh, in engaging people and innovate ways in which we can do this uh, in the most effective manner possible. And so we envision these masterclasses being very dynamic. These aren't going to be boring lectures from talking heads, uh, but dynamic and interactive um, and engaging with uh, the learner in a way that it might resemble the classroom, but more than likely it will resemble what we so often talk about as doing theology and community. This is a, a collaboration uh, on all of our parts, uh, our experts as well as our learners uh, working together to think about solutions for the future of the church.
1: I think this is really for those who know that they have this burning desire to be a part of God's mission in the world. And um, for those who want change, they wanna see innovation. They're looking for kingdom success and uh, it feels out of reach to them. Um, maybe they're feeling stuck. Uh, maybe they've. Uh, this is for a, a pastor or somebody who's maybe already gone through seminary and is like, man, I, I need something else. I need something more uh, that's going to latch on to what you guys at Ephysiology are talking about because I get this tribe. So show me, teach me. What else do I need to know? What didn't I learn in seminary? Um, this is also for that person as well because our goal is like we want to unstick you know, and free you from the from either legacy thinking or from even where you've come from or or the the paradigm that you found yourself in and to lead into the next into the next paradigm, to lead into the future of the church and God's move into the world. That's
0: who this is for. And and I think and it, it's for everybody. And I think one of the other advantages of what we are putting forward with the Ephesiology master class is that um Again, some of these things are still uh, shaking out, but they are going to be these videos accessible to you always. So, if you are signing up and following these master classes, then you can take part of them, part in them, when you need to. And I know that uh, my alma mater, Phoenix Seminary, has this wicked awesome deal. Again, we we are not pure deconstructionists here. We are not just tearing down everything that the seminaries are doing. And Phoenix Seminary has always done this awesome thing that for, for graduates, if you make it through, um, I can go back and um, I can audit classes for free. I can just sit in on classes. And that has always been an encouragement. If I really needed to brush up on something or uh, grow in an area, I could go and do that virtually through Phoenix Seminary's online stuff. But you know what I have to do? I have to sit in class when they have classes. I have to, mm-hmm. I have to go through it. And so it becomes this wonderful opportunity, um, but I feel, I feel hemmed in. And it kind of is like, well, I can't fit it in to my family life and what I've got going on. And so it becomes prohibitive. Some of the things that we are thinking through with master class is that will not be a barrier.
2: No, this will be open to 24-7 access uh, from your phone, your, your uh, tablet, your your computer. Uh, it, and literally anywhere in the world, um, we want to make sure that this is, this is e- equipping education made accessible for everyone, uh, no matter where you are. And uh, too, you know, one of the exciting things for me as we've been thinking about this and uh, the sharing the vision uh, with, with others, uh, that just the enthusiasm that uh, we're hearing from uh, people in, in the church, but also in the world of academics. And so I'm super excited to uh, be working with a team and it's just not the three of us. We, we have uh, 15 uh, people with a tremendous amount of experience developing masterclasses on uh, the various topics that deal with uh, the personal competencies, spiritual formation, uh, biblical competencies, as well as cultural competencies, and leadership and uh, ministry skill competencies, as well. And so, as I as I've been thinking about this team that we've been able to pull together uh, so far, and we're hoping that that team will grow, as as uh, we see this being really a very effective way in which we can equip people for ministry where they are Uh, and so the beauty of this is that people don't have to relocate uh, to go to a a seminary or an academic institution you can do this from your home uh, where your place of ministry is uh, no matter where it is in the world and so this incredible team that we've pulled together has been uh, engaging Uh, The ministry contexts in the post-Christian West, in the Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, Shinto, and Jewish worlds, as well as former and current uh, communist worlds. And they are an amazing group of people. They speak uh, Arabic, Czech, English, Hebrew, French, Hindi, Japanese, Korean, Romanian, and Spanish. And plus, uh, most of us will also uh, be reading the biblical languages as well. And uh, and they are um, not only academics, but they're practitioners. They have been involved in ministry. I think collectively I've totaled up of uh, nearly 300 years of experience in, in different places around the world. We've got people with um, PhDs. In fact, seven of us have PhDs from uh, the, the most prestigious evangelical seminaries in, in their country. Um, two professional doctorates and six master degree uh, folks that, uh, that bring a wonderful uh, complement of academics and experience where um, we're hoping that, that they will be a tremendous blessing to people who participate in these classes.
1: So this is, um, as you can tell, uh, just for our listeners, um, this is something that we've really been passionate about, something we're really working on building. And um, this is just the natural next step for what we believe Ephesiology hopes to do and to provide and resource you and uh, those in your church or those in your uh, faith community, those who are living on mission with you. Uh, because um, we believe this and we know that it needs to take the next step. And this is how the movement will will go. Uh, Michael, you listed off a lot of impressive things, <laughs> a lot of impressive people um, and and their experiences to some it could seem a bit overwhelming um, and maybe a bit intimidating. Uh, what would you say uh, to maybe the person who's like, hey, I don't know, this might be more than what I'm thinking or asking for?
2: Yeah, you know, we were very selective in in who we approached to participate with us in these master classes, and these are all uh, reputable scholars, but not just scholars. These are practitioners. These folks are passionate about engaging our culture with the gospel um, and engaging the global culture. I mean, they have missions experience, they have ministry, church life experience, Uh, as well as academic experience. And I think, you know, for an academic, um, it is so critical that they just don't keep their heads in the academic silo, but they come out of that silo and practice what it is that they're teaching. And these are, uh, this is a team of international uh, scholars who uh, do what it is that they say and I'm excited about that, um, and so these are again as as a, as I've said, these are classes that are made accessible not just in terms of the technology but in terms of the content and uh, and so people can uh, be assured that as they would participate in these master classes, are going to take the theory and drill it down to the practice so that by the time you complete one of these classes you will know what your next step should be. It might not look exactly like uh, some of the content of the class, but you will be put in a in a situation where you will know uh, what your next step is as you begin to apply uh, the, the things that you've learned. And I'm excited too, because our instructors will be engaging with uh, learners Uh, live through uh, Zoom discussions and then through various forums uh, that will have discussion forums, um, as well as uh, cohorts um, of learners in different geographic locations. And so this is, again, something uh, vitally important to us and a part of the ethos of ephesiology is doing theology and community. And so we're uh, excited about how we'll come together and work collaboratively in uh, wrestling through how we can effectively engage our world with the gospel.
0: I am listening to all of this and, again, am re-excited by this pitch, re-excited to talk about um, all of these things. It's a path forward. I mean, it's a path forward for all of us, again, not just for the, those who are in higher levels of academia already. Or those who are looking to get into higher levels of academia, but this is uh, this sounds like something that is again, it's that equipping education for everyone, and we workshopped this equipping education for everyone everywhere. We added a fourth E just now, um, um, but we are excited about this. But there's questions that I have, so very quickly, you just have uh, got me excited about this team. Can I know who's on this team yet? Is that uh, you have you have basically primed the pump? To tell me who's on this team, can I know who's on this team? That's the first question. Second question is, um, we're talking about uh, not price gouging. Uh, Do we have a price system set in
2: place? Yeah, well, two great questions, Andrew. Uh, Who's on this team? Well, I I can say this about the team. Uh, You will know who they are. Uh Many of them have been guests on our podcast and um and so they they're going to be familiar to our listeners um we 'll make an announcement soon enough uh that, about who our, our uh, team of experts are but um for now, I can just say that these are uh, these are some of the people that you will read. Uh, you will read their books, and you probably have already read their books. And uh, and you know, part of my excitement as I've been interacting with this team is just looking at the impressive number of texts that they've written, and those are the texts that are being used in seminaries today. And so I'm I'm excited about that. So um, to answer it, the question,
0: will you know the people on this team?
2: Yes. Can you know yet? No. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. Uh, we are keeping a lid on that right now. We're keeping a lid on that right now. Our goal is on June 1st to launch our first uh, master class. And uh, th- that class is going to deal with the church in times of crisis. And I'm excited about that class as we've been pulling it together because it's just a phenomenal uh, team that is trying to dig deeply into how the church can respond in a time of crisis. Um, On July 1st, we'll launch our second class that's focusing on how do we get to movement? Uh, It's just simply called journey to movement. And we'll look at some things in which uh, the, the church should consider and we need to consider. And if we want to be a missiologically theocentric church, what are the things that, uh, indicate that we are theocentric as a church? And how do we get there? And so uh, that'll be our second class. And then our third class is uh, will launch on August the 1st, and that class is focused on the study of the Ephesian movement. Uh, it'll go into much more detail in terms of uh, what that movement looked like and the practicalities of it. How how do we, if we expect to get to a movement, what are the fundamental principles that we can employ in our contexts today that will help us to get there? And then our goal is by uh, December, we'll have another eight to 10 courses that our, our instructors, even today, are busily uh, thinking through and conceptualizing and uh, we'll have those available as well, and again, those are dealing with personal competencies, cultural competencies, uh, leadership, and ministry skills, as well as biblical competencies. We, in terms of the pricing, Andrew, that was another great question. Um, we are making this accessible to people. That you you will pay a fraction of the cost of what you would pay in going to a seminary for the same quality of education. Again, uh, our team of experts are, uh, they've taught in places like Trinity and Gordon Conwell and Fuller and Asbury and other seminaries. And so these are top notch quality uh, academics who uh, understand how to teach, uh, but also uh, how to teach in a way that you will be able to gain some practical and relevant ministry skills that you can employ in your contexts. So we're still working on pricing structures. Um, We're we're, uh, thinking about a subscription as well uh, for the content that uh, over the course of a year, uh, you'll have access uh, to all of our course material as well as access to our experts so that you can have personal interaction with them as you begin to think about the application of the various courses to your particular ministry context.
1: Well, and this you can be sure of is that the cost is going to be very accessible um, and, and that we know is key to the success of this and also uh, building in that kind of interactive uh, community building um, component to the ongoing learning. And the idea here is that we want to build a ephesiology community. and that community is continuing to feed back into itself and continuing to take in uh, outside perspective and fuel that into the into the community to build about to build a movement. And ultimately, what we are doing is we don't seek to build a movement around ephysiology, but rather a physiology is the catalyst for a Christ-centered. Um, gospel moving movement. So um, that's what we're about. And that's what we're trying to do. And that's what I think we're, we're going to really be we're really excited about launching this summer. And uh, we just really pray that uh, this will be a resource for you, our listeners, but even those who have not yet to fully engage with the physiology yet, that this will be another opportunity for people to hear and to know and to grow. So we're thankful for uh, just this podcast, and for you guys, and just for our, our listeners for continuing to engage with us, Um, both on Facebook, but also through the podcasts, and even on our website and through our free resources. And we just pray that this would be another great resource for you uh, that we're really uh, excited about and going to be putting a lot of energy and effort into in the future. Uh, Michael or Andrew, any last things you guys want to say before we close this thing down?
0: I think I would encourage you, Matt, as that growing a physiology community, can you again plug those ephesiology physiology labs so people can know maybe how they can get involved in their next step while these master classes are uh, taking shape,
1: yeah, and actually, the the vision for the labs is actually we hope that this is actually going to be a critical component to uh, the master classes. Is that they uh, that as we think about those, if you're a Christian leader, uh, a pastor, um, or even just uh, somebody who's really excited and passionate about God's movement, uh, we really want to invite you to be part of a, a growing laboratory community um, with us as we learn from each other and uh, coach and train and equip. And part of that process is uh, what we hope to bridge into this is actually the master classes become a really critical component, where actually the master classes can feed into uh, laboratories and even potentially regional laboratories as well. We think the potential here is huge. And so we really want to, we're thinking big, we're dreaming big, um, but we also are re- we're just, you know, we're trying to just lead by the spirit and just let the Holy Spirit lead this and just and just trust in the Lord as to what he's doing here. So um, uh, we would just invite you, uh, the listener, if this is like, man, I want to learn more, I want to be, I'm excited about this, head to Ephesiology.com. You can connect with us there directly um, as well. Ask us about, Tell me about the laboratory, tell me about how do I engage, tell me more about these master classes, where can I get registered for that first one? Um, this is launching in June. This is the, uh, head over to physiology.com. That's where you're going to learn more about this information, and we'd love to connect with you and hear from you on that.
2: Amen. Amen. And I think one other thing, Matt, that we've been working on as well, uh, that kind of feeds into the, the larger laboratory idea, are these mini labs that we're beginning to launch uh, literally around the world and uh, I'm super excited about uh, folks that are contacting us and saying you know what we want we want to work collaboratively and uh, and so we are seeing mini labs start all across the United States and in different parts of uh, the, the globe and I want to encourage our listeners too if if a physiology is connecting with you if if you, you know, the study of this first century movement, this fantastic, phenomenal movement uh, to, of the Holy Spirit in the city of Ephesus, if that's connecting with where you are, uh, get in contact with us. We, we would love to interact with you more and and uh, learn from you and your experiences as we try to uh, continue to engage in the most effective way that we can in uh, the mission that God has put before us.
1: We just encourage you to that that mini lab is actually maybe a great starting point for to diving in something deeper. And the mini lab idea is really just picking up the book ephesiology and going through a, uh, a essentially a five week study um, of the book with a team or with a group of people. And um, we'd be happy to facilitate. We'd be happy to help and, and coach and, and lead along the way as well, too. Um, and as Michael said, some of these are not just showing up in North America, but even there's a a few sites over, uh, globally as well that are starting to go through this material and are really engaging with it. And that might be just the first place and the first step to begin before taking, uh, even a, a step further in the journey.
2: This has been a thrill. I mean, to work with you guys and to begin to work with many others. Um, I'm excited to see what God is doing and, uh, looking forward to continuing on this mission.
1: Us too as well, Michael. Thanks for allowing us to be a part of the journey. It's a, it's a true privilege and honor. Well, with that said, uh, we just want to continue to invite you, our listeners, uh, to be part of the Growing Ephesiology global community. So whether you're an academic, a pastor, a church planter, a leader, or, just a, or even a spirit-filled Christ follower with a desire for God's mission in the world, um, we have a seat at the table for you. Uh, three easy ways to be part of the ephesiology community Uh, one hopefully you've already subscribed to the ephesiology podcast and be sure to leave that five-star rating and review uh, for us because that's what helps other people find this uh, great podcast and also this uh, content as well and of course head over to ephesiology.com sign up for a free exclusive content delivered from us right in your email Uh, that's a great way to stay in touch with us and for us to stay in touch with you and then, of course, join the ongoing conversation on our Facebook page by searching Physiology. Uh, and of course, uh, learn more about the master classes, uh, hear about our, more about the mini labs. You can do that all at physiology.com. So, for Michael, Andrew, and myself, thanks for doing Theology and Community with us today on the Physiology Podcast.